All right. Well, good morning, everyone. How are you? Um, are you guys enjoying you Sunday so far? Um, yeah, I'm excited. Um, they did so good, and I just wanted to give a big thanks to Chris. Is my mic working? Yes? Okay. I wanted to make, give a big thanks to Chris because he actually leads worship for the youth on Tuesday nights. And he is so faithful. Oh, there there I am. I'm louder now. Um, he is so faithful um, on just being there and leading these um, youth in worship, and he just took the time to work with them and really just um, make it so we could have uh, youth up here worshiping with you guys. Um, so where, where was I going to go? Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I just really wanted to make sure that he got praise for that, and they did awesome up here. Um, so we are actually going to watch a winter camp video, and then you guys are going to hear some winter camp testimonies from the youth, which I'm very excited about. So, uh, yeah, if you guys have that video. Thank you, Kim, for doing that video. Kim did all that, so that was a lot of work, So, and it was really, really good. So I'm going to call Ethan up first. He's going to share with us a little bit about winter camp. Stand on this side so you can be taller. <laughs> Here, this one. This one. I have one. <laughs> All right, Ethan, tell us what um, the favorite par- your favorite part of winter camp was. My favorite part of winter camp was the worship because um, I feel like it really touched my heart. Like, I like it how it... Um, it was really loud, so <laughs> all I heard was just yelling. It's <laughs> pretty much about it, but I liked it. All right, good. That's awesome. Um, can you uh, tell us? Okay, wait. I said fun. Okay, yes. The, was that the most fun? Yes. Okay, sorry. Yes, so now tell me um, your favorite part. Like my favorite overall part. Favorite. My overall favorite part was going up on the rock wall and just zip lining. Awesome. Was, and you did the hardest one, too, and you beasted it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now tell us something you learned at winter camp. I learned about forgiveness and uh, grace. Okay, and um, how did that change you? That changed me. It changed me by telling me to um, to give hope, I mean, not hope, grace to other people. Okay, awesome. Do you want to share anything else about that? I'm okay. All right. Awesome. <laughs> All right, and um, thank you, Ethan. Okay, come on, Jasmine. Come on. Come on, you can do it. <laughs> thank you. All right, Jasmine, tell us your favorite part, or the most fun, that you, or the, fun, uh, the funnest thing that you did at winter camp. Sorry. Um. Oh, the archery, because I felt like Katniss Everdeen. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, so tell me your overall favorite part of winter camp. I I tried to do the rock climbing, but something was telling me, like, to look down, and I looked down, and I freaked out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Why was that your favorite part? I don't know. You don't know? (laughs) Well, I thought it was courageous for you to do that, even though you were afraid of heights anyways, and you did a good job. Um, so tell us something you learned at winter camp. I learned that you got to forgive other people, even though they did something bad to you. Okay. And how did that change you? Um, well, it changed me because um, I haven't forgiven other people in the past, and it kind of um, helped me by, like, forgiving the other people. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jasmine, for sharing. Appreciate it. You did awesome. Awesome. <laughs>
right, Crystalline. <laughs> Yay! I have like a paper written out. <laughs> yeah, Krista's got this, so she doesn't need me to ask her questions. Yeah. <laughs> so, for my free time, I did the rock climbing and zip lining, and I did paintball, which was like amazing. Even though I got shot in my side, in my hand, in my leg, in my stomach. <laughs> um, uh, but then it was really amazing. Uh, but the second night. It was. It got really cool because the fog started coming over the mountains, and you could see it. It sort of looked like water just trickling over it. And um, I, I remember it started raining, but only in like certain spots. It was like choosing special spots. It's like I don't like you, but I'll choose you. It was funny. <laughs> but um, at the second night, we uh, came out of the chapel, and it was pitch black with fog. And there was just five people standing out there holding hands, spinning around in circles. And Maddie, she told me a joke. Uh, I don't know why this thing is funny, but um, she said, we are entering Hogwarts because the whole fog thing. I just laughed. And there was this person on her phone, and she laughed. But um, back on uh, track, the theme for the whole winter camp was reset, and it was about forgiveness. And I went to the chapel in the morning and the night. And for the first two chapels, I went to the junior high. And then I went to the high school two times because, even though I'm in eighth grade, but because I could, according to me. But the verses was Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the king of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and that all he had to be sold to repay the debt. All this the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who followed him a hundred server who owed him a hundred silver gold. Uh, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, "Be patient with me, and I will pay it back." But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went to told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I call, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat you, each of you unless you forgive my, your brother or sister from your heart. But the thing that touched my heart was how they talked about who you need to forgive. Um, at first, I didn't think I had anyone forgive because I didn't like no one done like did anything like super bad to me. Uh, but then I realized on the first night that I had to forgive them for the little things also. On the second night, I dug deep and I realized I also had to forgive myself. Of course, God already forgave me for all my sins, and I guess that was a really hard concept for me to understand. But I loved going to winter camp, and it was super fun. <laughs> Thank you, Krista.
All right, and next is Emily. Okay. Okay, Emily, tell me what the most or the funnest part of winter camp was for you. I think the most like funnest part of winter camp was hanging out with all of my friends the whole weekend and seeing the old ones. Awesome. So, um, what was your overall favorite part of winter camp? My favorite part was worship because I loved seeing everybody just praising God with all that they had because he get he's given us everything and mm-hmm. so I thought that was really awesome. Good and. Can you tell us um, what you learned at winter camp, one thing you learned? I learned about forgiveness and God's unconditional love for us. And God already, I learned that God already forgived us. Like, I always thought I had to ask for forgiveness, but then I learned that he's already forgiven me. So instead of asking, I should thank him. Mm. So I thanked him for all of his forgiveness for me. Awesome. And how did that change you? It changed me because I always, like thought I had to try to do something to get something. Mm. But then this weekend, I realized I didn't have to because God already gave it to me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Emily. All right. Well, I feel like we have um, a lot to learn, even as Adults, I know I look like a youth, but I'm really 25, I promise. Um, But I feel like we have a lot to learn from young people also, that they can teach us so much. And that's kind of where I'm going today a little bit. So today our story starts with a boy named Tim and his mother and grandmother. From the time he could remember, he was taught about God, the creator, by his mom and grandma. He knew the scriptures and he grew up believing that one day a Messiah or a Savior would come. When Tim was a teenager, a man named Paul came to his town and was sharing the gospel of this Jesus, and Tim quickly decided that he was going to follow. Paul put his arm around Tim and encouraged him to live out his calling. He became like Tim's own father because Tim's father was not a believer. Paul really encouraged Tim to grow in his faith and to live out his calling, and as Tim got older, a group of men... Um, including Paul, prayed and prophesied about Tim and his calling. And Tim chose to step into that calling. He chose to live out what God had given him. He started to evangelize and encourage others to live out their calling as well. And he worked with and taught churches about God's plan for the church and leadership. He became Paul's most beloved servant and companion, and settled in Ephesus where he oversaw the churches there. And this is the background of Timothy in the Bible. And uh, he grew up in the Jewish faith. He, um, his grandmother and mother really poured into him. They taught him the scriptures. They told him everything. Um, but Paul was really the one who, um, who was able to create, um, sorry, <laughs> Paul was really the one who poured into him and told him about this calling that God had from told him about Jesus. And Tim, uh, because of his mom and grandma's foundation that he had given them, was able to step into that. And he took responsibility um, for his own growing faith, but not just him taking the responsibility for his own faith, but Paul took responsibility for his growing faith. And the elders of the church and the other people began to take responsibility as well. And in the book of Timothy, we see a young man living out his calling because of the people who poured into his life. 
So Paul encourages him in 1 Timothy 4, 12 through 16. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect the gift which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And I think this verse could almost say, don't look, let anyone look down on you because you are young or because you are old or because you're a woman or a man or because you've had a bad past. I feel like it is an encouragement to all of us There are a number of reasons that we can look down on each other as the church. We can look at each other and we can judge each other. Um, And our youth are just some of those people sometimes we tend to look down on. Or maybe we don't want to talk to them because um, maybe we think the junior hires, they're a little weird and crazy and squirrely, and they are. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't have something to teach us through them or that we don't have something to give to them. And so... um, I believe that instead of looking down on each other for the various reasons we have, um, my hope is that all of us will feel encouraged and poured into by this family of believers that we call the mission. And faith is something to be passed around, not just passed down. So we can pass our faith down to our kids and to the youth and the congregation, but it's also something that we pass around as we share our grace stories with each other, as we share what God's done in our own lives. Um, in studies done by Fuller Youth Institute, they found that 40 to 50% of high school students um, that graduate are leaving the church, and about 20% of those students are not ever coming back. And through tons of research, they're beginning to find out why. And so I wanted to share some of these insights with you as a church and as I was just feeling convicted as I read them. Uh, the number w- uh, one insight is that involvement in all church worship during high school is more consistently linked with mature faith in both high school and college than any other form of church participation. Uh, The second thing, the more students serve and build relationships with younger children, the more likely it is that their faith will stick. And that's why we've began doing student leadership um, where the students are actually teaching alongside the adults in the children's ministry. The third thing, high school seniors don't feel supported by adults in their congregation, and they were asked to rank how much they felt supported by parents, friends in youth groups, youth leaders, and friends outside of youth group, and adults in the congregation came in last, and not by a little, by a lot. And that's kind of scary. Um, By far the number one way that churches made the teens in the survey feel welcomed and valued was when adults in the congregation just showed interest in them. And so that is... That's really telling to me. Uh, One student said, We were welcomed not just in youth group, we were welcomed into other parts of ministry of the church. The worship team on Sunday mornings, teaching Sunday school to kids and helping with cleaning and serving. Uh, All these other types of things really just brought the youth in and made them feel like they had a place and even feel like they were valued as individuals. And so that's why we decided to do a youth Sunday today. But we wanted this to just be the beginning of the youth serving alongside of the adults. We wanted this to be kind of like, this is kind of our starting point, uh, but we want that to happen throughout 
every Sunday that we have here that we have youth serving alongside of adults. And then we have adults that are um, actually pouring into students and telling them, wow, you have this gift and I see this gift in you. And they come alongside like a Paul, put their arm around you know, somebody like a Timothy and say, I see this gifting in you. And they're willing to pour into them and build off the foundation that maybe the parents have already started. Uh, one other trend they found among teenagers who left the church was that many of them have been taught a gospel of sin management or behavior modification, which means if I'm good and do good things, then God will like me. And that's actually something that even Emily said was like, I thought that I had to do good things to earn God's favor. And that's not the gospel. The gospel is surrounded by grace. <laughs> and so then when they get into college and they start to like mess up a little bit and because they will, and um, they're in a new environment. And so when they start to mess up, they're actually feeling like, um, wow, God must not like me anymore. And so they feel like that's who I am now, so I guess I could just walk away. Uh, they also viewed faith as something like a jacket that they wear sometimes, so they could wear their faith jacket when they come to church, and they can take it off when they go to school. And so those are some of the things that they found. And so our response as a church... Um, I was like questioning, like, what can we do about this trend? And to start to answer the question, I would like to start with some of my own grace story. Uh, as a 15-year-old, I was already a Christian because a friend, um, sorry, <laughs> because a friend's family had shared the gospel with me when I was 12, and I accepted it. But my family were not believers, and I did not go to church, and they did not go to church, so I wasn't always there. And I did not have the benefit of being discipled at home by my family um, or by my own parents. However, God sent lots of Pauls in my life who spoke truth to me and who discipled me. And I grew up in a traditional youth group type church where youth group was very separated from church. And the youth didn't have a lot of opportunities to serve except maybe in Sunday school. And um, that kind of made it difficult to make the connections with adults. There weren't a lot of opportunities already created for me. But um, because I'm Rihanna, I decided to create those, those opportunities for myself. And I decided that I would go on one of the adult mission trips where all the adults kind of like adopted me as their own and like put their arms around me. And after that, I felt like welcomed in the normal church service as well. Like they would actually greet me and tell me hello and... Um, they would call me their honorary daughter and stuff like that. And so I really felt like I was welcomed in that place. Uh, but not only that, the, the most, um, the people who poured into my life the most were really my youth pastor and his wife. And that's actually our um, pastor now and his wife, Kim. And they really did take me in as their own. And if you talk to them now, they will call me their adopted daughter. And so... Um, I really did have a place in their home and they took me in and they put their arm around me and they spoke into my giftings and they saw leadership qualities in me and Chris began to work with me on teaching and allowed me to teach youth group even though I was terrible at first and um, just really worked with me in all of that. And I, I really believe that that is why um, I am who I am today. Um, and they honestly put up with my most rebellious teenage years, um, where I yelled and screamed at them and told them they were not my parents and they couldn't tell me what to do. And, uh, yeah, I was really a kid on the edge. I didn't live in a Christian family. I moved around a lot. My family was surrounded by addiction. 
and I was typically allowed to do whatever I wanted, and my friends were not the best choice of friends. But they still chose to put their arm around me and speak into my life and see that God had created me to be um, this amazing woman of God who had gifts and talents and who could serve the church. And they saw me um, as somebody created in his own image. And that they didn't just believe that I was some broken kid. They saw me as a Genesis 1 person, that I was created in the image of God. They didn't just see me as a Genesis 2, a broken kid. And so that is really what um, I believe, why, why I became the person that I am. And so I, I think some of the main things we can take from these stories, the story of Timothy and Paul, and then the statistics that we see, and then from my own story, is that I believe that we can become Paul's or Chris and Kim's um, to the youth in our midst, speaking into their lives and mentoring them and praying for them as they move closer to graduation. Um, We can help them find churches in that transition time because that is the most difficult time for them. As they graduate from high school into college, most of them don't know how to find a church. And so, like, giving them that support that they need and even just sending them letters or text messages or calling them and letting them know that we're praying for them. Um, We help them, or sorry, we pass space to them, and we don't assume that because we're not called to youth ministry or children's ministry or um, one of those places on a Tuesday night or a Sunday morning that we're not involved in ministering to teenagers because as a church we are. We are all called to minister to one another and to build each other up. We step into our specific gifts that God has given us, and we don't let anyone look down on us in doing so. And we don't assume that as older people, our only job is to pray and give money. And we actually begin to step into our calling as the body of believers. That calling is to make disciples, not just to tell people about Jesus, but to then grow them into the type of people that we want them to be, like a Timothy. We commit ourselves to teaching God's word and telling others our grace story. And we watch our doctrine and our lives closely, making sure we are not teaching a gospel of sin management, but the real gospel based on grace and mercy. And we all choose to use our gifts to to serve our church and the people in it, including the youth. Um, It can't just be the paid staff here or a specific group of people who are discipling people, because it takes all of us. It takes a church. And here at the mission, we say every member has a mission, and I want to begin to live that out even more. And I want us to each discover our own mission here. And I want all of us to help everyone, the young and the old, discover what their mission is. So as a church, I would like to commit to passing faith around and really becoming the church that God has called us to be, all of us being built up into unity, into Christ's body, and doing our part. So Chris, if you could... Head up here. Um, So if you guys could close your eyes, I'm going to go ahead and uh, read this verse. Maybe just meditate on it. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working But in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines.
Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are, we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. That's 1 Corinthians 12. I would like to invite the ushers forward at this time. God, I just, I thank you that you've given us each unique giftings and talents, and that I know that you want us to use those. I know that you don't want us to just sit in this church and just take in and soak in, but that you want us to be using them to benefit the whole body and to be building each other up. God, I, I, I just lift up everyone in this room. I lift up all the youth. I pray, God, that you would just take hold of them and that you would speak to us, God, on what our part is. What is our part in this body? Where, where can we be serving you? Where can we be loving on people? God, and that you would just so show us how much you love us and that we wouldn't be doing it because we have to, God, but because you've showed such a great love for us that we want to love other people. We want them to know that great love that you have shown us. And during this time where we um, just give to you, God, give back to you what is already yours, God, as we make this offering that you would be blessed by it, that it would just be another way that we can serve you, God. Serve, um, serve this church. Amen.